Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I joined Rob from Mercado as the CEO of Ships on last week's episode to talk about the importance of collaboration and partnerships in today's economy, what that partnership looks like, how we are going to partner as Ships with Mercado, and so, so much more. So if you missed that episode, don't worry. We have that for you over under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com or wherever you subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. The average international shipping request takes 20 phone calls and 40 emails just to reach an agreement to move products by air or ocean freight. And every new partner means another onboarding process, new documentation, and more precious time. Every shipment, every exporter, every importer, every single day. It all adds up to thousands of wasted hours, frustration, strained working relationships, and ultimately, your bookings are less efficient, less effective, and could end up costing you more. But what if there was a platform that could change all of that? Meet Ships, the innovative new marketplace that's saying no to labor-intensive old ways and creating an accessible and hassle-free logistics solution for all. With Ships, you can find your perfect partner, get quick and accurate costs, real-time benchmarking figures, and a secure online account all with a click. Sign up for your free trial now over at Ships. That's S-H-I-P-Z or Z dot com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today I am going live with Susan Walsh, the classification guru, over on the Data Den. So hope to see you there. Also coming up, I am hosting and emceeing a leadership summit in partnership with Four Kites on February 16th, 2021. And I can't wait to see you there. We're going to be talking all sorts of hot topics with some really high level supply chain professionals as well. But today, I'm excited to welcome a woman in supply chain who has had a long and impressive career with Ford Motor Company. From Mexico, she's currently the head of Ford of Mexico Indirect Purchasing Department, leading a team with an annual spend of just shy of $2 billion U.S. dollars. Pretty impressive. Well, who is it? I'm going to re- reveal that after our question of the week. But before we do the question of the week, this episode is sponsored by Fastenal. As a company focused on supply chain partnerships, Fastenal is proud to sponsor this piece of woman in supply chain. With more than 100,000 point of use vending machines around the world, Fastenal is dedicated to helping organizations lower their total cost of ownership, and they are a proud supporter of of woman in supply chain. If you'd like to go and learn more, go to fastenal.com forward slash en forward slash eight forward slash inventory management. Now let's get to the question of the week. So the question of the week was, 
Who is someone in your life that you want to thank and why? One of the reasons why we brought this question out, and we do a question every single Wednesday morning, is to start off this year in gratitude. If you've got a mindset of gratitude moving forward into your day, into your year, it really changes the mood and and how you are treating yourself, how you're treating others, and it really lets the other person know the kind of impact that they've made on your life and what that's actually means, what that actually means, and it also brings some gratitude into their life as well. I couldn't believe we got an overwhelming response over on my personal LinkedIn page, and I can't wait to share it with you. Susan Walsh, she says, you, Sarah, for bringing the community together and being inclusive. And of course, the fabulous Sarah Scudder, which I love. Rhonda said, this list is so long and composed of so many of the experts on this platform. And so she wants to thank all of the experts in supply chain on LinkedIn. She also wants to thank her grandma and Mary Ann Shivers. There's also a bunch more that she thanks in her uh, comment. So go and check that out. I actually thanked Claudia Knowlton Scheich over at Google and because she's been a really big inspiration for me, a great friend. And I made her day also by shouting her out and giving her a thank you. And she sent me a text to let me know that it really made a, a long week that much more special. Uh, Nick Romer, gratitude goes a long way and can make someone's day, week, year, or even life. Absolutely. Priyanka says Charlie Pesty and Harish. Bill Paul says Jackie Paul for being my rock these last 41 years. I love that, Bill, and congratulations. Corey says Keith and Debbie from Top Rank Marketing and Jacqueline and Libby from his team. Azalea, she says there's so many, but she wants to thank her current boss uh, because they really helped her get over some low points in her life that she talks about in her comments. So I want to send a big shout out and a thank you to her boss as well. Aaron says, I am thank you for all the connections and friends that I have made here on LinkedIn so far. And Kyle says Dina. He actually tagged Dina in that one. Thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. And remember, again, we do this every single Wednesday morning on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we love to hear from you. It, it really engages the community and we have some really amazing discussions. So now back to today's podcast and the wonderful woman in supply chain I have with me today is Isabel Tapia. An experienced procurement executive with a long history in the automotive industry, she's an expert in supply chain management, sourcing, and team growth and development. Today, Isabel will be talking to us about her roots in engineering, her passion for procurement, and her words of wisdom as a successful woman in a male-dominated industry. So welcome to the show, Isabel. Hey. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Yes, I am so excited to have you as a part of our Woman in Supply Chain series, where we feature, you know, powerhouse women in the industry. And we talk about your journey, your journey to success, what that's looked like, challenges, advice. We get inspiration and motivation from these all the time. And I cannot wait to dig a little bit deeper. So let's start at the beginning. You know, I love to hear people's stories. So let's hear about yours. Take us back to where it all began. You have a degree 
degree in mechanical engineering. So I guess you always wanted to be in this space or no? Well, it actually started since I was a child. Uh, I wonder about how stuff what uh, was made. Uh, that time it was more into me breaking <laughs> small appliances to see what was inside. I was curious about uh, that kind of things. And, and I knew I wanted to be in the transformation industry. That's where my attention and my curiosity as a child was. Uh, so that then evolved into engineering school. I'm a mechanical engineer, as you said, uh, with a major in automotive. Uh, was part of the Mini Baja School chapter that if you're familiar with that is the off-road vehicles that are part of some school projects. Um, it, kind of made sense to me and I enjoyed being able to put things together and then see that coming to life and move. Um, when I was still in college, I was invited to be an intern at a dealer uh, to support process engineering at their garage. So that, that just kept flowing in my career. So naturally, when I graduated from college, I looked for a chance to work in automotive industry for a major OEM. At first, I entered a sales job at a tier one supplier for a couple of months, but that didn't really work. It was not a good fit. And mm -hmm. then applied at Ford uh, for an agency position in purchasing. I got accepted and I've been with this company since then. I've been in strategy programs, direct and indirect purchasing. I've worked in North America, South America, but always in procurement. And I have to say it has been a great journey. Yeah, and it sounds like it. You know what? I love to hear your um, how you were a tinkerer when you were younger, right? You really <laughs> like to take things apart. I mean, usually we hear about that from, you know, the men. Um, but it's great to hear that, you know, you were, that was also something that was fascinating for you and, and kind of a passion for you and how you'd like to take things apart and put things back together. And I think it's stories like this that we share and that we're able to share in this series and really get out there because, you know, for anybody that's following in our footsteps or anybody who has these kinds of passions, knowing that it's okay and knowing that, you know, we can really do anything that we put our minds to. I'm glad that you shared that part of your story. Um, so you mentioned that you've, you've worked at Ford for quite a while. What is it that you do for them currently? I'm still working in purchasing as the head of indirect purchasing for Mexico. And I also have responsibilities for North America indirect purchasing. I mostly serve uh, manufacturing operations. Awesome. And for anybody that doesn't know what indirect purchasing is, can you explain that a little bit? So the way we divide the, the uh, purchasing activities is we have direct purchasing. That is everything that goes into the vehicle and we uh, sell that as part of our product. And then indirect purchasing is everything else from uh, marketing, um, construction, services, uh, the machinery, the equipment, everything else, it's, it's indirect purchasing. Wow, that's a big job. And I'm glad you were able to sort of let us know what that actually means because some, some people in our audience you know, know what it means, some of them don't, and we want to encourage them to really explore different parts of supply chain and the different jobs that you can be doing and what that actually means for your career. So you said that you've been part of the Ford team for over 16 years, or maybe you didn't, and I'm letting everybody know that, that now. What makes them such a good company to work for? What keeps you so loyal? 
Um, Ford is a great company. I have always felt uh, comfortable, supported, and challenged. Um, they have a very healthy work environment, diverse culture with uh, true development opportunities. It has been a good balance between my personal life and also my career path. So I've, I've been with the company because I feel supported and I, and I have the opportunity to grow. Yeah, and I think that that's really important. I think the other thing to to note is that they've given you opportunities, I believe, to work in different capacities within the company so that you were able to learn different parts of the the business or, you know, the supply chain. Correct. Yeah, which is huge. And I, and I bring that up for a number of different reasons, because when you're looking to get into supply chain or you're in supply chain, you really want to be working with a company that is going to allow you to move vertically and challenge you to really, um, you know, find what works for you and what you're good at and what you like to do. Because and I think companies like Afford can really, you know, um, shine a light onto these areas and really be a proponent of that because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't try different parts and if you don't, if you're not able to try different aspects of supply chain, you never know how you can best contribute to the company. And so um, it's really great to hear that they were able to give you that, that opportunity as well. So you started as purchasing analyst in 2004. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what has changed over the years? What are the key areas that have moved forward? And what are the new trends that we're seeing right now in, in purchasing and procurement? Well, automotive industry is always in constant evolution. Uh, technology, mass production, how we mobilize uh, components, link manufacturing, customer trends and appealing, industry 4.0, you name it. It's a huge yeah. industry and it's always uh, influenced by my manufacturers. Um, when I started, I was part of a small organization that was making the transition from a domestic manufacturing organization to, a, to the globalization and low-cost sourcing. So that... Um, was my initial experience and over time that has been evolving in combination with external factor um, the procurement strategies have to change the supply chain trends natural follow so it has been different from um, within the industry and also from those external factors um, total industry volume trading policies or prices exchange rate offshore near shore all of that at the end influence how we buy and how we think about supply chain. There could be better technology or now with that analytics, better ways to understand and leverage the buy, but it's all coming from what it's happening around and how we react to that. Um, one day it's all about gasoline consumption. I'm sure you remember that um, yeah. and efficiency when the mm -hmm. old prices uh, were low. Um, then the consumers changed their trends, right? It was not longer important how much gas I would be putting into my vehicle. It was more about I want a, a larger vehicle, more attractive with some other relevant factors. And the supply chain, along with engineering and, and manufacturing, we have to react and yeah. we need to give the customer what they want and it needs to be quick and lean, obviously uh, with the ultimate goal of serving the customer. Absolutely. How did the how did the pandemic play a role and how has technology really played a role in your role in purchasing and procurement? 
I think I cannot uh, think of a role or an industry that has not been uh, affected by the pandemic. So in my case, it was not only to react to the business condition, but also to make sure we were able to support our internal customers and, and, and our key members with uh, protection equipment and, and all of that. Technology, I, I see it on a couple of areas. One is the systems we use, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and how we just move uh, our, our information and how we transact within the company and externally. So I think that that helps when you have technology. But when you also have enablers to either communicate or to analyze data, Right, there are many softwares out there that help you to understand uh, what you're currently doing, and if you use some predictive analytics and some other tools, you can also have uh, a better idea of where to put your attention or where try to optimize what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. how I see technology playing a role here. Yeah, and I'm sure it's changed since you took um, the purchasing an anal analyst role in 2004 to where we are now. I mean, technology has just grown so much. Exactly. Yeah, well, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you, right? Because you've been in the role and seen the different trends and the different changes. And I, and I was just curious as to see how technology has sort of played a role there. And so I appreciate you. Um, talking about that and talking about some of the the trends right now around data and around predictive analytics and how they're helping you in your role in procurement as well. So as a woman in a typically male-dominated industry, what have your experiences been starting in engineering and then working your way up in automotive? I mean, let's be clear. Let's be honest. I mean, automotive is very much, I would assume, male-dominated. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people in the audience that want to know how that journey has been and what your experiences have been. Perhaps my experience has been different. Uh, yes, there was a notion of engineering and automotive being a male-dominated space, but I see more inclusive and diverse environment in automotive industry these days. Good. Okay. Um, so when I was in school, yes, there were few uh, women uh, taking my class, but it was also a small class. So <laughs> that was something, at least um, in Mexico, that, that called my attention. We were probably a class of 20. It was not a, a very large class. And then there were maybe four or five women. So it, it was not a complete uh, crazy ratio, right? It was just more uh, around appealing. It was a right. small group. Mm -hmm. And and then coming into automotive, I think it's really encouraging to see the open mind. Um, I work for a great company that truly really has a diverse and inclusive culture. I have found myself surrounded by inspiring leaders and co-workers that have supported my career and development. Um, I work in all Americas and yes, at times I have faced cultural barriers, but I've received support from men and women alike. And in my experience, these bars have been more around the culture than the gender. Um, I can say that amazing women in the industry have already carved that path before my time. 
So mm -hmm. they have led the way by working hard, having an open and sincere dialogue. And mm -hmm. most important, they have delivered the results. So I'm coming into a working environment that is already open, you see? Yeah, I love that. And I'm so glad that you shared that because, you know, a lot of times they aren't inclusive environments sometimes where where we're we're working at the at the moment right and so it's nice to hear that there are companies out there and there are women out there that have paved the way and so I'm sure you've seen a lot of mentorship then uh, from the women that are in the industry and that have carved the path for you is that is that right yes it's not only mentorship but leading by example Oh, awesome. Can you give us an example? I know I'm kind of putting you on, a, on the spot, but can you, can you share an example? Um, without going into specific names, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to work with uh, what I would say incredible ladies. Um, I've seen them not only in, in big positions, but also from a peer-to-peer -peer perspective, very smart, mm -hmm. very dedicated. Um, if you ask me who has probably um, impressed on you, there, we we have a lady uh, working one of our technical teams, and she was just so sincere about uh, her approach to the business. She was uh, very passionate about the business. She had a very strong point of view. Um, she commanded and directed uh, her their teams with uh, a great uh, agility, I would say, with, with a, a great... Uh, business acumen but she was also sincere about her experience being a woman in the industry and sometimes how we have to have a split role and a split mindset and she provided very uh, good um, insights on how to tackle some of these uh, just uh, uh, situations that that may be presenting in her path so for, that was someone who who imprint uh, a mark in me and i also see who's leading the industry today. I, without going into names, you have OEMs led by women. Um, mm -hmm. And in my company, we have uh, extraordinary ladies running the business, commanding, and, and I admire them. Awesome. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. I didn't need names. I just want to you know, <laughs> get an idea of what that looks like, because we've got people in the audience that maybe want to mentor, but don't know how and don't know, you know, how to do that or what to say. Um, and then there's others that are looking for mentorship and maybe don't know what they're looking for. And so that example, we could share from both sides of the equation and really help those that are listening to this podcast when it comes to mentorship as to what that looks like, because I don't think it looks the same for everybody, um, but it's great to get different examples and perspectives. So, you know, you spoke about that example um, and how she was able to talk to you about the challenges and, and how to, you know, navigate through those. So do you see an easier road for women breaking into the industry now, or are there still challenges ahead for them? And maybe some of that knowledge you can impart from what you learned of how to navigate through some of those challenges. Um, absolutely. I think, again, talking from my perspective, um, in my experience, automotive industry is already occupied and led by extraordinary um, women, and I see that to continue to happen. Um, how we see a path forward is, again, um, 
looking at these leaders and and see how they do things um if you, if you are in a leadership role then lead by example and and mentors are important but uh, having good communication with all your peers i think will also help you to be successful it's not only about having someone who will give you an advice or will uh, lend you a hand is also what you do and, and how you build your strong network and, and work with an extended team. Yeah, and maybe even asking questions, right? Correct. Yeah, I think I think questions are, you know, a huge part of the learning experience. And it's not just about asking somebody to be your mentor. Um, it's about looking up to that person, but it's also about taking those opportunities to ask those questions when you can, um, and not being shy and, and reserved about it, but really, you know, putting yourself out there because I'm sure the question that you have is also something that somebody else has, right? A question that somebody else has as well. Yes. And, and to be, to get involved, uh, to participate because I've, I've also seen that there are many forums like this one and, and even without, uh, within the, the company, some other forums that, um, that take uh, that mentorship role or they are willing to give you an advice. But people need to be shy. Well, they don't need to be shy. They need to be uh, brave enough to ask the question that you mentioned, to go and, and take the time to attend the forums and, and also get involved. It will not happen by chance. Right. Yeah. You need to go and pursue the opportunity. And if you need some help, you need to go and have your voice. Yes. And be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Right. Not not leaving that to somebody else because you don't feel that you're qualified or if it's, it's not your place. But I think approaching it from a solution oriented mindset and wanting to be part of the solution, being par passionate about being part of that solution um, is really how we all come together and we navigate these roads and we pave these roads for future generations. And so I love to ask women how they found their voice. Not always, but for some women, it's a slow burn, but there's often a moment that women can remember when it all came together or that they, their self-belief finally showed up. How did that happen for you? Can you walk us through that? Um, it happened in my household, I would say, when I was still in school. My mom and dad were examples that hard work pays off. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom had a small restaurant. She was an entrepreneur and she was very passionate about her job. My dad trusted and supported my decisions about career path and even influenced my curiosity for mechanics when he invited me to fix uh, things around the house. Uh, both of them empowered me to have a voice and to chase my dreams, I was raised that way. So when I got into school and then into work, I, I already had a voice. Awesome, and that's that's you know that's a great story because sometimes it comes, you know, mid career. Sometimes it comes at the starting of the career, and sometimes it comes even before the career. And the people that you surround yourself with, and your family, and um, I think that the, those are important times um, to really understand boundaries and to really find your voice and things like that. So for you, I'm, I'm excited to hear that it came from your parents. I have two entrepreneurial parents as well. And, you know, 
even though sometimes I felt like I couldn't have a voice, they always taught me to have a voice and, you know, how to express that voice sometimes, right? Because, um, you know, how I grew up is not how the kids today are growing up and we had a bit of a bit more of a traditional mindset, but it was still about having that voice and, and being heard. So on your journey so far, what have you learned about yourself and what do you think the future holds for you? I've learned that uh, I really enjoy working in procurement. I have found my passion in procurement um, because it's always so dynamic and it keeps me engaged. Um, as I said, I work in direct and indirect procurement and there is always a connection with the business and the product and the customer. So, and, and even the communities, when, when you have a project or, or important sourcing decision. So I really like that. Uh, I learned that I'm resilient, that I have a growth mindset and that I like to be part of a greater team. Um, I see myself still engaged in procurement as a career. I, I really enjoy it. And maybe in the long future uh, as a professor or as an entrepreneur myself, uh, but that's still to be defined. Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait to see. I, I think the, the future sounds exciting for you. So finally then, before we wrap up, what advice do you have for girls and women looking to follow in your footsteps? I would advise them to find their passion. Don't enroll and stay in a company or in a project that doesn't feel right because they will be just wasting time. Uh, be in a job or a project that helps them grow and feel complete both at home and at work. Uh, fight uh, for those opportunities and, and then work very hard to deliver the results, um, to be kind and supportive to others because those networks will help them to grow and to be successful, uh, to be surrounded by men and women alike because um, we are part of a greater team, a greater community. Um, and if they get that chance during their career or their path to really capitalize on them, to be intentional, to contribute to the bigger pictures, and I'm sure they will be very successful. Awesome. That is such great advice. And, you know, just from being inspired from your journey and sharing your journey with us today, I hope that that advice, along with the inspiration that, you know, we've spoken about today and what your journey and path has looked like is really going to inspire women and girls to get get into procurement, get into supply chain, because it really is such an exciting career path. And so that was truly an insightful chat. And I really hope, you know, women coming up in supply chain or any industry have, um, you know, really take to heart this episode, have a paper and pen ready and feel inspired to take on the world. If you're keen to hear more from us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. I want to thank Fastenal for sponsoring this episode of Woman in Supply Chain. And I also want to thank the fabulous Isabel for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story. Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. Remember to come back next week when I will be talking to Wes Strubing. That's right. The CEO of Logistics Titans is back. And man, they had an incredible 2020. And the things that they are doing in the last mile space is going to change the game. So make sure you tune in next week and hear my discussion with Wes. If you enjoy our podcast, there are a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You can subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain over on YouTube. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com to keep on top of all of the great content that we're bringing to you and highlight some of the hot topics and trends that are happening in supply chain. Visit ships.com and sign up because we are in full beta. And if you are a forwarder or shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. So go ahead and sign up at ships. That's S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, make sure to go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.